are here today again to talk about patios. Derek. Yeah, let's get into this. Patios and outdoor living spaces have been really popular here. Well, for quite a while, but I would say here in the last three to four years, it's really kind of blossomed. And it seems like that most of the projects we get involved with have some sort of outdoor living space developed in them. So a lot of those are accomplished by a paver patio or a slab patio. There are differences in the terminology between a an actual paver, interlocking paver, and slabs, and we don't need to get too far into that. But basically, if you want to just think about it in general terms, like a 4 by 8 brick, something like that size, is technically a paver. Anything larger than that is technically a slab, and they work different. Okay. Yeah. So I was not aware the, of that difference. <laughs> yeah. The, the pavers are meant to very much interlock together and work as an entire system. Whereas the slabs, because of their larger square footage, um, or maybe I should say square inches, they do not interlock together as well. You're, okay. ba- you're more of an individual unit per per slab. So we'll talk about this just in generic terms. We'll call them all pavers for the interest of this conversation. I would say that if you're thinking about installing a patio or improving an outdoor living space, go out and really assess how you're using that space. A lot of times we already have a small concrete patio or a deck area, for example. Look at what you have in that area. Do you have the barbecue grill? Do you have the table? Do you have a kid area? What do you want that to be? Do you have enough seating? And evaluate all of that because that's going to really determine what you want to install for your patio area. And a lot of times we're already faced with, well, it's not big enough. You know, all, we have all of those things, but we need a larger area because we're also thinking about a fire pit down the road or something like that. So just really spend some time assessing the area and what your needs will be. Um, anytime you're creating a patio or outdoor living space, it's adding value to your property. So it's really a no-brainer as far as that goes. So you don't have to spend too much time worrying about that. It's going to add value to that space. So then you just have to determine what is going to fit your needs the best. Once you've determined a size, I would say add about 10% to that. Yes. (laughs) So you don't want to go through this entire process and then still feel cramped once you add the additional things that you you want to to that area. So once you've kind of determined that, get a general idea so that you can either, if you're installing it yourself, you know and you're informed on your own, or if you're having us help you out with the project, that you can convey all of that to us And that really lets us know we can arrive at a property and based on other people's projects, we pretty much know what you're going to end up with or what you need. And so that's what we'll suggest. But it's always handy to have all of that laid out in front of us and just to determine also kind of what the secondary pathways and uses will be, whether we need a connection or circulation path to a swimming pool or to the driveway or to a guest entrance. A lot of times when we're talking about patios and outdoor living spaces, the guests aren't going to come through the house to the patio. They're going to come park on the driveway and then come through a secondary location. So we also want to consider that, how people are going to access this area. And once all of that's determined, then it's pretty easy to sit down and, and diagram the area and come up with a general square footage that we need to deal with. Over time, trends have changed. It used to be that we were working with a lot of curvilinear shapes. 
So not a lot of straight lines. Now we're kind of back to a lot more of the straight lines. And some of that's dictated by the materials that we're using for our paver. But it seems like a lot of times that's just the look we're going for, maybe a more modern look with those clean lines and edges. And then sometimes we're following up another project like a swimming pool that already has some straight lines defined for us and yeah. we don't play too far off of that. So whatever the case might be, uh, we'll look at that too as far as the theme of the overall patio and, and kind of the shape. Sometimes the materials dictate that themselves. Let's just say we have a theme that has a lot of curves involved with it. Well, that's probably going to be a smaller paver unit, at least on the border, because they tend to take curves a lot better than the larger format pavers because you think of a large paver, even a one-foot square paver, it's going to be pretty chunky going around a curve. And so we're going to look at that. Um, you can use the inlay or the pattern of the patio. You can use a larger format slab or paver for that. So that kind of helps determine maybe what products we're going to look at. And then from that, it really blows the doors wide open because now we get to actually select product. And that's kind of the fun thing. We generally will stick with a couple different manufacturers, brands that we use, and that's mostly so that we have their backing on the product. We can familiarize ourselves with it. We can be efficient with it. Anytime you learn any kind of a new product, it, it's just kind of like getting a new cell phone. It takes a little while to figure it all out. So we like to stick with things that we're used to and we know that work so that we can be efficient with that product. And that's not saying we won't go outside of the box because I don't know that we did two projects last year that involved the same product, but they were, for the most part, within the same manufacturer or, or line of brands. Yeah. And one thing to keep in mind, the product lines can change quite a bit and color can change yep. quite a bit. So if you need to do repairs in the future or add on to the future, it might be a challenge to find something that matches exactly. Yep. And I will say just with, in as a general term, you're going to get some weathering on your patio. And so don't expect any future additions to match 100%. Oh, that's true too. So you yep. just get some of that natural. Now, these manufacturers are getting really good about navigating around that and, and we'll get into some of that. But so it's sometimes helpful to get online and start to looking look at examples of other projects around the world really of what you want yours to end up looking like so that you have a direction and then you can start narrowing product down. Like I said, we use basically two manufacturers, Bellguard and Unilock. Those are the brands that we do ma the majority of our work with. And so we can look through their catalogs and then determine what colors, what style of paver, whether we want it to look old and rustic, whether we want it to look clean and modern, and then that narrows down what pavers we're going to use. There are other applications such as permeable pavers where you're going to have water that actually infiltrates and goes through the whole patio system. So you might look at that if that's a necessity. And then also driveway or vehicular applications, those are going to be different as well. And you want to make sure that the product you use is going to stand up to that traffic. It's pretty easy there. A lot of times in the catalogs or the literature, it'll show a little picture of a car or a person to delineate whether it's a pedestrian or a vehicular application. But you do want to be aware of that up front. You don't want to have, let's say, we know we want to have a patio in the back, but now we want to extend that to the driveway or a portion of the driveway up front. Well, you probably can't use the same paver on both of those, you know, unless you work the other way. You start with the vehicular application and just extend that around. So that's just something to be aware of. Not all pavers are created equal. So 
we really take that into consideration what the future is going to be of the area and how it's going to really be applied. All right. Uh, when you start installing the patio, what do you do for the base? Yeah, so there's some things. Now that we've determined what paver we're going to use, you're going to look at the thickness of that. So generally they range from 2 and 3 eighths to about 3 and an eighth inch thick. And so you're going to look at that. And then we need to go down below that for our base material. We want to have about a half an inch or so of sand, or we use rock chips to do our final leveling. But below that, we want six to eight inches of crushed rock compacted for our base. And that's what's going to really level everything up. So if we have a slight grade change from our back door to the edge of where the patio is going to be, we can make up that difference using that crushed rock. And we're going to raise that in what we call lifts. So we're going to bring it in, whether it's by a wheelbarrow or the skid loader bucket full, we're going to bring it in and we're not going to pile the whole eight inches at once and then compact that. We're going to do about an inch at a time. We're going to spread that out, compact it all, spread another lift until we get that six to eight inches of compacted rock in pretty much the level that we're going to shoot for in the end. And that final leveling is going to be done. We use a three-eighths inch clean rock chip because that works really well for us. Some literature will suggest sand. We've moved away from the sand. It's actually kind of interesting. Here in the last, um, I'd say, five years, you start to hear the term open-graded base. And what that means is you have a clean rock for your six to eight inches of base material and then a clean rock chip. And basically, it allows water to move all the way through that system. And more and more people are using that. We've been using that for 25 plus years. Okay. Just by default, we yeah. figured that figured out that that worked really well. So that's not a new terminology to us. We've been using that for years and years and years. But it's just kind of making the surface in other parts of the country, and they're you know pitching us on this idea. And we say, well, we've already done that. I guess the downside to using a, a fine sand for your base is that when you're talking about our soils and how much they can move with shrink and swell with the different water and, and drying out. You get cracks develop, and that sand can be gone. It can migrate throughout that system, and pretty soon you get unleveling. Um, you don't have the drainage that you need. So there's some downsides to using that sand, which is probably why we, you know, years and years ago migrated toward a chip um, for our final leveling. So you want to get that compacted base, and then you're going to do your screeding or your final leveling with that smaller clean rock chip, and then there you are ready to start laying your pavers. Um, I will say on your paver selection, there's just a wide variety there too. So you'll start to see when you talk to us that there has been a big technology shift in the way that pavers are manufactured. These companies have seen that the look of the paver is always going to be popular. People are going to continue to want to install them and they need to last 20 plus years and look good for that duration. And so the principle of a regular concrete paver is you mix up concrete, you throw it into a form, you jiggle it around to move air pockets out and let it dry out, and there's your paver. Well, you're going to see some of those aggregates and small components of a concrete mix show up in there. Okay, so then the next stage, and this is just very generic <laughs> term uh, terminology that I'm explaining this, but the next stage would be to do that, and then maybe you throw in on the top just some uh, more like just cement rather than a, a full concrete. So you just got the sands and the colors and stuff. Throw that in on the top. And so you have a little bit different 
composition on top, it's not going to show the big rock aggregates as things weather. So that's kind of the second stage. Well, now they're actually mixing in specific rock particle components, and we call that a face mix on the top of that paver. It wears really well. It weathers really well. So that is an instance where you come in five years down the road and add to the project. The new ones are going to really closely resemble. You're not going to get the weathering. Um, they're also coming with uh, sealers and cleaners already on top of the paver so it protects against spills and stuff because we're out there playing around and food and stuff's being served on these yeah. patios and, and you don't want any staining to be involved there so the technology for pavers has really stepped up in, the, in its game too and so you'll start to see some of that show up yeah um when you install a patio it's not going to be 100 percent flat Correct. is it one inch every one inch of fall for every 10 feet? Is that? That's kind of the general rule. Okay. Yeah, that's about what you're shooting for. So as you're laying things out, if you're doing this yourself, that's a, a great rule. But basically you want to get a good slope away from your house for drainage purposes. You don't want water collecting near a doorway or your foundation or something like that. So you're correct. It's not going to be completely level, but you don't want it to too much slope. So that one inch per 10 foot is a is a good general rule. Yeah, you're not going to notice that sitting on your patio yeah, chair. You definitely don't want to go over, I would say, 3%. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And when you finish off a patio, the last thing you do is install that poly sand, polymeric yep. sand. Yep, that's another uh, kind of, I, I want to say secret, but it's, it's pretty commonly used now. Uh, it used to be that you would sweep in just a masonry sand, really fine sand to fill the cracks. And that's where we talked about at the very beginning, like a paver system, you need that sand in between them to lock them together to create that surface area there and lock them in place. But nowadays, we're using more of the bigger slabs, so that's kind of a non-issue. But also, with sand, you run a slight risk of that kind of migrating out over time, whether it's washing or drying out and blowing. So you're losing some of that. Not as much of a concern, but sometimes people ask about weeds germinating in there. Uh, that's a very small part of why we use the polymeric sand. But a polymeric sand is basically that fine sand, but it has a polymer mixed into it. You sweep it on dry, and this is this is one product. There are uh, other variations. But in general, a very dry, clean surface. Sweep it in until all the cracks are full, and this is a very fine sand, so it's going to continue to go in cracks, go in cracks. Once you do your first application, you generally want to go ahead and vibrate over the top of that. So we use like a plate compactor that has a, a rubber pad on the bottom so it doesn't scuff the pavers. You can also do the same thing if you're working around home. A heavy piece of plywood, not a full sheet, you can put it down, use a, a sledgehammer or a tamper, you know, tamp on top of that, move it a section, and you'll see that sand migrate down into those cracks. Do that over the entire patio, reapply the sand, vibrate it in until that system can't take any more sand in. Once that's done, sweep off the excess. It helps to take a leaf blower and blow off any of the dust that's on top of there so it won't uh, be any residual there. And then finally, soak it in with water. That water will be absorbed into the sand. Once it dries out, it locks everything together and you'll get a really nice surface. And that's part of what will drain that water away from the system. It will collect on top and actually function just like a poured concrete and shed the water off the top rather than any of it moving down in into the system. Yeah, great. And then the last type of, I don't know if you'd even call it a patio anymore, but there's a, a product that we've been using for the last couple of years called Decomposed Granite. Mm -hmm. um, it's more like a chip yeah. that you just compact 
compact it really, really well, and all those little chips lock together. Um, but it's pretty thick, right? Yeah. Your actual layer of the granite's pretty thick. Yeah, this is a really cool product because you do want to do so, some similar preparation. I mean, we still go in and, and grade the soil, and we get a gravel base underneath it. But then you eliminate having to lay all those individual pavers. It is just a crushed granite, and it's the benefit to it is once you lay it in, we go shoot for about three to four inches thick, maybe. You can get by with a little bit less, but you put down your fabric, you put down that crushed granite and compact it in there, and it doesn't kick around or move around like a play sand or a pebble would. Um, even our limestone chips can have some limestone dust on them and it gets on your feet and the dog's feet and that sort of thing. This stays locked in place. It works good for bike paths. It works good for informal patios. But it has a really nice, clean look to it. So even in a more formal setting or a modern setting, we use it a lot of times for like those paths. We even use them for the actual proper patio area. And, and I really love that product. Yeah, it's if you th- in your mind, you're thinking, oh, if I put my lawn chairs out here or my patio yeah. furniture out here, they're going to scruff it around, sink into it. It really doesn't. It's strong enough to hold those up without... You know, if you put it in, like you said, like that three-eighths chip, over time it's going to kind of settle down into yep. that. That granite, it's solid. Yep. And if it does scuff up, you just take a leaf rake and rake it out, or even a broom would do the trick. Just broom over the top of it. If you're really concerned, go ahead and compact it again, and and it's all completely refreshed just like brand new. So, And it is a little bit angular. You might look at a sample. At, we have these in jars at our garden store, so you might look at that and feel it and be like, oh... I don't know about like our dog's feet being on that. It is really not angular or sharp once it's all compacted and in place. It works really well for that application. Yeah, it's a it's like Derek said, it is a really cool product with lots of different applications that we can use it for. So yeah, that's another thing you can add to your your quiver yeah, if exactly. in your, yeah. your design process. Yeah, it used to be like we'd look at that like, well, what if the paver option isn't in the budget? And, and it is, a again, it's a premium product. It's shipped in to us. But we used to look at it like, well, what if the pavers aren't in the budget? Now we look at it as, oh, this design application calls for this or, you know, this is just the ticket for that. So it's right up in there with our all of our other considerations. Um, it's that classy of a material. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much, Derek. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to talk about patios. If you have any questions for me or Derek, shoot us an email at podcast at bluevillenursery.com and uh, we'll answer those for you. If you want any designs or anything like that, we're more than happy to help with those. Thanks. Have a great day.